Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Grape Through. Here today with us, I am pleased to be joined by um, Tristan Nieslein, who happens to run his own consultancy called Nieslein Sustainability Partners. NSP specializes in advising and assisting teams, as well as pilots operating in the motorsports industry in their sustainability and decarbonization efforts. I think that being said, Tristan, it would be suitable to start with a little introduction regarding your background, and then we'll just take it from there. Yeah, thanks very much, Eric. It's uh, it's great to be on the podcast. I've I've had a listen and uh, congratulations on it. It's a it's a great show, uh, and I'm really really pleased to hear to be here to to talk to you about what I what I do in the in the future of of motorsport. So, as a background, uh, I've probably got almost 20 years uh, experience in working in operations and operational excellence and uh, and process management with uh, various blue chip uh, blue chip companies, which to be honest, when I started Nisline Sustainability Partners a year and a half ago, um, I would my job was increasingly uh, becoming more sustainability focused and looking at carbon footprint reduction and uh, best energy use and and how to really make sure that the right things were being done for the for the company to avoid greenhouse gas emissions and that was. Even though my my role in in my previous previous lives were uh, not necessarily sustainability focused, it was it was right. starting to be really an underpinning foundational element. So, with that, when I started Nissan Sustainability Partners, it came with that kind of experience, um, and I decided to focus. I, I knew I wanted to fill a bit of a gap in in the sport and sustainability uh, industries. Uh, and and join those two up and really as I've been as I've been working in this space the that community has has grown and got bigger and bigger but motorsport was still um, quite under underserved there was there was very few people looking at it um, so it was a as a natural place to kind of start Nissan Sustainability Partners or NSP as I refer to it from now um, <laughs> to to actually look at look at that area it marries two passions. Uh, of sustainability and and motorsport um and it's such an exciting space to be in at the moment given uh the great strides that are that are being made right now amazing and i think that's a, a great summary and uh, yeah i mean it couldn't just be more relevant at the minute actual regarding all the latest developments going on with the uh, formula e and uh, and uh, all those events but i think it'll be uh, suitable to start regarding like an introduction saying like what types of motorsports does nsp necessarily consult on and uh, sort of how does nsp help members of the motorsport uh, sectors help um, decarbonize yeah so i i guess the the point of nsp is really to is to be a change agent and uh, and support organizations in whatever shape or form to get to um that all important uh, net zero status as a as an organization so in that vein we work with uh leaders uh, in organizations within motorsport uh, to build and assess their strategies to, to net zero. We will provide guidance and the knowledge uh, to get to the to really the best possible state. So when I when I talk to net zero, uh, I take the the Cambridge definition, Eric, right. uh, <laughs> you'll be pleased to hear um, and um, and to, to make sure that it's decarbonization to the nth degree uh, to get as as far along as possible and, and challenge anything that's that's left over uh, but then to look at um, offsetting or, or accounting for the unavoidable emissions in the in the best possible best possible ways it's 
fairly complex, I would say, within within the motorsport sector, just because they, depending on what organization you're you're dealing with, the the supply chain, which is a really important part of this, um, is can be quite complex, can be quite unwieldy, quite large, and of course, when you're dealing with with elite motorsport teams, you're also dealing with uh, people who are focused on absolutely the highest levels of of performance, and that comes with uh, a complete lack of compromise is probably the best way to say it um, on on materials quality and and what they do. So in that respect, that supply chain element is is one that is is very interesting and it's an interesting um, interesting problem to to help organisations uh, solve. I also work with individuals um, right. such as uh, drivers, athletes to to assess their impact, of course. Um, if you look at the the role, perhaps of a of a driver, a professional driver within within motorsport, they can end up driving for two or three different uh, teams okay. over the course of a year. Um, not everyone's lucky enough to have multi year contracts with teams um, that are exclusive in something like Formula One. Right. Um, so they they do work in different series, um, and of course that comes with an element of individual responsibility as you move between those teams that might not be covered by those organisations who might have the best sustainability strategy and policies in in place. The individual as a as kind of a, a sole entity uh, will be you know working and producing their impact, but not affiliated with any team. So it's helping athletes in those kind of positions to make sure that they're impacts are, are, are really nailed down uh, and and looked after because we see especially in this changing changing world it might be more about drivers than teams for example okay. uh, and it might be more about teams than than series or, or rights holders so in that respect you know people want that personal connection with a with a driver with an athlete and then I know we'll, we'll probably talk about, you know, the impact of, of sport and sustainability, Absolutely. but the, vo the voice of athletes within that is, is probably as big as it's ever been and, and, and growing. So it'd be right to actually support athletes in that respect to, to use their platform um, for, for that purpose. So, yeah, in terms of what we do, we practically assess um, the organization. Uh, we help them build out a strategy and a, and a roadmap. Uh, we will perform the materiality assessment, um, so their greenhouse gas emissions. Perfect. Uh, and, look at, and look at ways that we can then address those in the best possible ways using the best practices available, um, including whatever is left over after, after the, the strongest decarbonization approach that, that you can take. And um, that should end up with um, generally the the kind of idea is that it comes with some certification um, in a lot of motorsport uh, entities. They're looking at the FIA's three-star environmental uh, certification, yeah. uh, the UNF Triple C um, Sport for Climate Action Framework, and to become signatories of there. And then you have ones like B Corp and ISO fourteen thousand yeah. one, and and some of the other ISO numbers as well. If it's a if it's events, for example, um, and making sure that you know that they're demonstrating and able to evidence. So all of the paperwork around that, they're able to evidence that they've done what they said they are going to do, and uh, and uh, and and uh, kind of living those values and uh, and operating in the right way. So it's really from from start to finish, from strategy to, to completion of the, of the project. I think, yeah, that's that's super interesting, sort of the involvement from end to end, right? Regarding whether it's uh, the, the pilot or the company as in as an entity that you're looking after. But I think sort of 
focusing more on the individual athlete and you know off the back of the recent developments with uh, Naomi Osaka you know and the depression uh, allegations you know I think it was super interesting and I couldn't agree more with what you said in the sense that there shouldn't be there should be more of a focus on the human aspect of the of the athlete right as opposed to just you know you're just there to perform and you're in a, you're a machine which is not the case and uh, I wanted to ask you like regarding a driver right as you said say you're not Leclerc driving for Ferrari in the F1 but you know you're you're competing in multiple um, circuits and you have three or four cars does it fall upon so NSP the goes and sort of educates the driver and in terms of like okay you should be looking at this this and this in terms of parameters and demands within, within the different circuits or um, you know what I mean how is the angle of entry in terms of for educating and how can the pilot sort of help and sort of uh, voice the, the need for um, a decarbonization effort within uh, his um, circuits of interest. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because it, it would be on, for, for me, it's important. It would be on, be on their terms and, and what they want to, what they want to do about it. But right. the people, for example, that I've spoken, spoken with initially um, or up to this point um, have certainly been kind of people who are going, I, I one see it as the right thing to do. Um, I want to be involved in the in the change. Two, I can see that it it's becoming more and more commercially important uh, right. for me as a as a kind of sole entity because these drivers um, will be looking at sponsors and partners um, and people to invest in in their careers effectively. Um, and so, you know, if you look at uh, the the wider industry sponsors and partners are absolutely becoming more engaged with sustainable organizations. Um, they don't want to be partnering with, uh, you know, how motorsport still probably a little bit, but, um, uh, but certainly used to be just seen as, you know, gas guzzling for the sake of sport going around in circles, you know, air quotes, what's, what's the point of that? Right. Um, and so, you know, the, and it will happen in in other sports and it is happening in other sports as well that actually partners will will not want to be you know um partnering and and joining forces or working with or paying for uh, an organization that doesn't match their values and this is where if sport is not as developed as other industries and those partners are coming to coming to talk to them to do business one of the key hygiene factors you know like cost quality exposure right. all of those kind of things that a partner might come on board for will also be those kind of sustainable values we're seeing that increasingly uh, happen so it's the same for drivers and and that was kind of the, the point of talking to that is because drivers are looking for partnerships they're looking for sponsors um, and they are definitely wanting to partner with individuals in this case or drivers um, that, that share their values and I would say at this point if you're not thinking about it you should probably start thinking about it because right. um, you you are probably leaving money on the table if you don't have <laughs> that kind of uh, that kind of profile. Fair enough and I think that's super interesting what you touched upon regarding like the the sort of, uh, you know, you want to call them but the sort of the the, the entities within these sort of circuits being approached from the two ends right the the end being on the performance side the pilot and then on the in terms of sponsorship the the income coming in coming in from the brands and sponsors it, it almost seems as if like you have to be on top of this agenda otherwise you know you you wouldn't really be um i wouldn't say competing but you know what i mean as you said you'd be leaving money on the table right 
I, I really think so. And I, look, I don't, I don't work in marketing, but it, it definitely forms part of um, the, the consideration of, of people who are doing this. But the, at the moment, the early adopters for sure are doing it because it's the right thing to do. They believe um, that this change can't happen. You know, the, the continued climate change can't happen. It's driven out of value. But of course, um, as we know, um, the net zero economy is going to become inevitable and it is Absolutely. inevitable and it, and it will can, it will get there. Um, the people who are going to move earliest will probably get the benefits of that, of that economy, but really, you know, and where we come at it from with, with NSP is making sure that we um, are linking it to the climate emergency. We are linking it to how your change, uh, being being a client's change, is going to add something positive to the the narrative and the and the story around climate change. Um, but of course, as we know, is that if if that net zero economy is is going to be there, then of course it should make good business sense to do it too. Absolutely, and I think you know that doom and gloom mentality doesn't really uh get i would say the tipping point in terms of majority getting behind you so it's um, you need to provide solutions which i think it's you know what's very interesting about nsp in in your space and in terms of like the broader picture i was reading online that um, the f1 has a promise to become uh, carbon neutral by 2030 and i wanted to ask you do you think that um decarbonization initiatives in terms of like funding and capital allocations by member teams will skyrocket as a result of this uh, ambitious and I don't know in your mind realistic undertaking or no um yeah so I mean with Formula One that that happened in November 2019 and I remember it well because I was writing a I was writing a paper on it um that was saying well there's there's really a lack of anyone committing to you know kind of the the net zero future and blah 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 and just as i was about to submit it formula one came came out with with this and actually <laughs> um i did i did under i knew i knew for about four days before the announcement actually but it it was still quite late for that paper so i had to do a rewrite um but anyway um, that's pretty good uh, yeah I, <laughs> yeah i think um i think um the the idea that Formula One has uh, put this strategy in place um, is incredibly important. Um, Formula One is the is the elite sport in motorsport. There's literally no arguing with that. It is it right. is top of the pile. Um, it has the biggest uh, audience engagement, um, and it and it has, of course, you know, all of these amazing, famous legacy uh, OEMs in, involved. You know, Mercedes and Ferrari. Um, Aston Martin now, you know they're they're all there for for a reason. Um, so the the idea that Formula One has has put this strategy in place it, it is with you know I, I I know from kind of hearing about it and talking to people that you know it's a it's a multi layered decision um, to to do so, um, but it is absolutely of the moment and at the right time. So the idea that the organizations within Formula One do invest uh, in getting to net zero and, and going on the journey with Formula One. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it, the idea that it's, you know, 2030, it's an ambitious target. Um, they are really working on doing 
the right things uh, to to get there. They haven't kind of come out immediately and and restructured everything at a kind of um, you know in a knee jerk kind of reaction to putting yeah. out a, a strategy. I know they're they're building and they're they're looking at the sport really from from the ground up, and I kind of like that that approach and not rushing into it but the associated teams the associated partners they're all going to have to be um, a part of the a part of the strategy and and buy into it and there will be a point where actually you know um, partners that don't buy into it that aren't part of the same kind of set of values um, will end up leaving leaving the sport um, it's just how it's going to be because I see that the engagement and the the ideals behind putting this 2030 strategy in place and 2025 for the for the events um, is is being really seriously handled. Fair enough, that sounds promising and let's hope for the best. And I want to ask you, what role do you think that hydrogen can play, let's just say in the future, decarbonization in, um, of the motorsport industry? And uh, do you think that it can represent a, a significant pilot exercise for future use of you know, other alternative low carbon um, options available hydrogen is really interesting and um and i think uh it's tbc uh, that's that's my <laughs> sit on the fence uh, answer but the the interesting thing about hydrogen as it as it stands at the moment and i've been speaking to quite a few different um hydrogen providing uh, or hydrogen businesses um who build fuel stacks and electrolyzers and things like that as part of working in in motorsport and working with clients that um that it's a cha- it's it's definitely a challenge and for one one kind of real reason or key reason is because all of the use cases uh for hydrogen have been heavy mobility so where you're right. looking at buses trucks marine um so kind of boats and and larger vehicles like that rather than for um i mean they're high performance in their own way but rather than extremely high performance in in an area like motorsport however um so what you need uh in terms of uh the fuel stacks in in which case which seems to be the biggest the biggest kind of stumbling block as it stands at the moment is you need lightweight small that has the the prerequisite power output the that will have a car get up to you know 200 250 kilometers an hour um, in in kind of you know like gt series and and things like that um to to actually you know provide the performance level that you would want so interesting things you know you you see hydrogen used in in extreme e to provide the electricity and that kind of uh, in in extreme e's uh, suv so it's a it's an electric fuel cell powered vehicle but actually the electricity is coming from hydrogen that kind of hybridization is probably right. where i i sit that there are going to be the future of fuels is incredibly interesting at the moment because oems have gone down this route of of electrification or or bust you know so right. all all of the fleets are turning into electric electric powered vehicles and i still think that's that's good that's that's probably the right thing but it's where that that energy comes from to to actually power the the ev right so is it you know when you're talking about renewables are you talking about hydrogen powered how are you how are you creating that energy and the interesting thing that we're seeing in motorsport is that hydrogen might be 
might be being used to to actually power electric electric fuel cell, fuel cell vehicles so yeah it's an interesting one uh, when you start blending in synthetic fuels and biofuels into that um, then you you have a, a space that it's going to be who knows where it ends it's a bit of a it's a bit of a space race at the moment fair enough and uh, which i think is one of the healthiest way to sort of gauge the competitiveness of alternatives is to you know have an open market and see you know how things shake out i want to say naturally but let you know the nature's curse of things run out and um you, you touched upon something that i wanted to touch upon earlier which is the the role of sports within um as a sort of catalyst for people and i wanted to ask you how do you think that sports can sort of um act as a unifier let's just say for people to rally behind the decarbonization efforts you know not just within motorsports but even within uh, other um other sports as well yeah it's it's exactly this sports has a has a massive voice um and you know depending on the sport depending on the person kind of most people have something of a passing interest in in what's going on you know we're coming up to the the euros uh, the the soccer soccer tournament soon and i know you know people who are not interested in football who all watch those games watch england games watch italy games watch french games um absolutely committed and dedicated to seeing how their how their national team does so even non-sports people sports interested kind of people will tune into big events like this and it's there where you see actually that you know that almost 100 engagement from from people to their to their teams or to 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 the to a sport during these big events uh the olympics are a perfect example um is where also you have this voice to talk about sustainability talk about climate change um and how sports can exemplify the best in society uh and show the show the way forward it this is why i love sport this is why i think sustainability and sport is such a perfect um marriage really because it covers all of those all of those bases it's communication it's marketing it's purpose it's values um and it it goes a long way it can it can have people who never thought about it before become completely engaged in a in a topic like climate change and do you think i think it's super interesting what you're saying i cannot agree more uh, do you think it also just makes it more relatable let's just say for the average person in a given country you know because you know if you're if you're necessarily talking about climate change implications for a given business and you know you work as something completely distant and foreign to that specific business the, you know sports are inevitably something that you tend to gravitate to so do you think that maybe it can be a successful domain to um, eventually alter behavior yeah i really do and and when you look at how the un um is kind of putting the climate emergency uh out there with its uh with its different frameworks you know there's there's one for fashion there's also one one for sport and when you look at the UNFCCC's sport for climate uh framework uh the um clubs teams um series uh, events can all sign up for one is about one of those one of those five principles in in that framework is about actually being you know being green let's right. let's call it the others all kind of center and and talk about advocacy um education 
uh, and promoting the messages of climate change. And it's kind of almost three or four to one, really, in, in right. that respect, in terms of those principles of the sport for climate uh, framework is about using the voice of sport, not only, you know, being the example and doing doing the right things and, and managing your your impacts, but it's it's using that engagement you have to be to be a platform for communication and education and the we can all start to think of clubs and and teams and series that are that are, have already done that quite well and right. have started using their voices for for that kind of that kind of messaging fair enough and uh, i think that's a that's a sort of optimistic and positive point to end the formal chat and i think you know now we're open to um the new section from with questions from the public and um three have been shortlisted and by the way thank you very much for your availability so um here the first one asks like historically formula one has pushed innovation by applying new technologies in their highly competitive environment um, for them to hit their carbon neutral goals, do you think F1 will adapt their development strategies to incorporate tech, which is not uh, always or often involved in track? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting question that one. And I, when I when we started the conversation a little bit earlier, we were talking about um, we were talking about supply chains and the, and the complexity and and Formula One as a as a as a rights holder as a series, um, its supply chain is huge complex uh and and very interesting um right. if you want to see it that way I, I i think it's really interesting um and so i think the the technologies they utilize formula one will definitely they they kind of leave no stone unturned you know it's a detail okay. organized uh, detail focused kind of organization um and for them to hit their their carbon neutral neutral goals it was for uh, events in 2025 and as a series in in 2020 uh, 2030 um they they are already using innovation and development to to look at this um i think it's not just um to achieve the the carbon neutrality goals but it's also to to maintain their elite status and and continue you know to lead the way in terms of their competitive advantage and and kind of being the number one to sport um, and by that I mean you know you hear the what Formula One is looking at now is synthetic and biofuels as an alternative right. to electrification which for me is completely and I, I know that's a, a track track technology but it's 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 completely interesting because okay. the opportunities for for synthetic and biofuels is such that it can pretty much use the infrastructure that internal combustion and fossil fuels leaves leaves behind because it's effectively a artificially created gasoline that doesn't right. have that, that has removed hydrocarbons through a is a process that I I'm not sure I fully understand or, <laughs> or or care to, um, but I know enough about it to go. It's interesting because it can go into it can go into that infrastructure. Um, so I think th that's one of the ways that I think Formula One is kind of is pushing innovation right now towards a, a sustainability endgame um, by developing their own their own technology. So I hope that kind of uh, answers that question. Absolutely. And the second question always goes off the back of the popularity and notoriety of F1. And uh, it goes, do you see uh, F1 fading away in the near future and being taken over by Formula E? Or do you see them both competing in the market for some time to come? 
Uh, so two parts to that one. So no, I don't see Formula One fading away. I think Formula One is in as good a health as it's ever been right now. I think Gee, okay. um, that's a claim. That's quite a claim. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I believe it too. And I think okay. if they didn't have a sustainability strategy in place, I might be thinking slightly different okay. about it. But okay. I think that they are and they have, you know, they do have phenomenal minds behind that series there are, right. there are people in strategy and uh and sustainability that are that are kind of really top of the top of the pile um and i don't think it will fade away i think it's i think it's going to continue to to grow and get stronger i mean looking at formula one and looking at the, the landscape that it's in you know it has to come to it has to come to a younger generation of fans that's one of the reasons why right. a sustainability strategy is is so important for them right now is is also because we know that to attract younger fans to anything really to engage <laughs> them to anything you need to be you need to be very very much digitized you need to um, have a have representation uh, and you need to be uh, purpose driven in terms of uh, of the environment as well and uh, they're doing all of that so well if you see the esports um i can't remember any of the numbers but they're massive for, right. for formula one esports uh they're engaging people through through that way it's a great way to cross over to to the actual sport and if you look at social media formula one whenever there's a race on well I don't know if it's just my curated feed, but it's, <laughs> it's quite overwhelming how much comes out about Formula One. But uh, yeah, I don't think it will fade away. I don't think it will be necessarily overtaken by Formula. Uh, I don't think Formula One will fade away. I don't think it will be taken over by Formula E particularly, although what Formula E has done in terms of developing that series from scratch in just seven seasons, I think it's in season eight now, um, has been has been really an example to to anyone in how to how to launch a product it's been it's been phenomenal in terms of the the success of that um i don't think they compete in the same market to be right. honest um and that might be quite a bold or, or maybe even <laughs> naive claim but they're both open wheel racing they're both single seaters um they have specific kind of targets for where they want to go racing some are on traditional tracks some are, um, formula e is focused on on city center because that's the use case for um the kind of electric technologies that that makes the most sense you want to get gas guzzling cars out of city right. centers you want to go electric there it's it's the perfect use case um and so they they can coexist completely perfect. happily and uh, i think that's uh, that's where formula one and formula e um will will continue in that way and i think they'll push each other but i think they can coexist happily perfect and uh, the last uh, uh, the last question from the public goes and asks what do you think are some of the key differences in the approach between extremely and formula e in terms of marketing and uh, do you think that do they have the same goals for impact in the long term that's a really interesting question as not a marketeer it's it's quite <laughs> tough for me to answer with Just in your in your uh, humble opinion yeah in my in my humble opinion my very humble opinion <laughs> um yeah in terms of marketing i mean they have a lot of the same people behind behind both okay. um so in terms of the leadership in terms of the sustainability leadership um and kind of but the the purposes are are slightly different so where i'd put formula e is it's very much about marketing and and driving the electric vehicle uh, adoption okay uh, and that's where we've seen a lot of oems kind of get involved with nissan porsche mercedes um venturi there there are all of these 
electric vehicle manufacturers who are who are really marketing their products through through that series. Formula E definitely um, has a climate change uh, has a climate change purpose to it, but it's nowhere near as strong as the whole reason for being and existing for Extreme E is to market the climate emergency. Okay, uh, it goes the reasons for going to the places it goes to is because they are the ideal places to see the climate change tipping points actually being being actually happening is the right, right way to put it so actually seeing the impact of desertification in the desert actually seeing sea level rising and plastic pollution in senegal where the where the atlantic currents are, right. are taking taking the trash uh, from all around the world and it ends up on beaches in in west africa so they are quite different um but in terms of those end purposes but i think the way that they're engaging with fans and and marketing the product being the being the racing the series uh to its customers are um are pretty similar perfect thank you very much tristan it's been a pleasure and uh, thank you very much for your time my pleasure it's been uh, great to chat with you eric and thank you uh thank you for the time and and your listeners for the questions <laughs>